Eilish and um, Yabba and uh, Malia for leading us today in songs of worship and praise. And I'd just like to read to you from the Word of God. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and we'll read the chapter together. It looks fairly long but it doesn't take long really to read it. And I want you to take notice in our reading of how many times Paul refers to the believers at Thessalonica as brothers and sisters. It's good when we can meet together in that way as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I want you to note in our reading, I'm going to read the whole chapter, so I want you to note how many times he refers to them as brothers and sisters. So we'll read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. You know, brothers and sisters that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from any human being, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our prerogatives. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus, you suffered from your fellow citizens the same things 
those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their efforts to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person though not thought, out of intense longing we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did, again and again. But Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Now, how many times? <laughs> Three, four, anyone else? Four times. Four times in this chapter. In the letter itself, 13 times at least, he refers to them as brothers and sisters. Now, the history of his visit to Thessalonica is found in Acts chapter 17, and you can read that at your leisure. In chapter 16, he, he was at Philippi, and he was taken, and he was preaching, and he was taken, and he was put into prison in Philippi. And God worked a miracle that in the night. He sent an earthquake, and the prison doors were open, and, and they could have fled all of the prisoners. But they didn't, and the jailer came jumping into Paul and uh, thinking that the prisoners had been fled and he was about to take his own life because that's what would have happened to him if they had been fled. The Roman authorities would have taken his life for theirs. But he said, he came to Paul and he, he, he said, what must I do to be saved? Now, where had he heard that? Paul only just had come to prison, so maybe Paul didn't have the opportunity while in that little time to say anything, but he must have heard Paul out on the streets. And he knew that the hand of God was in this. And he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And, and Paul was able to say, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And then from Philippi, because they had to leave there, uh, he came to Thessalonica. Now you can, if you've got a, a Bible with maps in the back, you can trace where the, the journeys of Paul. But he came here to Thessalonica. And uh, he was writing to them as he had had opportunity to um, preach the word to them. Three Sabbath days, it says, that he, he preached in the, in the um, synagogue. So he was there at least three weeks, maybe closer to four, I don't know. But as it happens, he was 
um, preaching in Thessalonica. And uh, there was opposition there too. Now, um, he's writing to them now after he's had to leave and he's calling them brothers and sisters. They heard the word of God. They heard about the Christ and his death and resurrection and his ascension back to heaven. All those things had been brought to them and they believed the message that Paul preached and their sins were forgiven. Now, Paul was writing to them. They are part of God's family. That's what, why he calls them brothers and sisters. And uh, he cared about them. And not only does he reflect on the past, but he anticipates the future. And in each chapter of Thessalonians, Paul makes mention of the coming again of Jesus. When he preached, where he moved, he preached about the first coming of Jesus. And his ministry on earth, his death on the cross, his burial in the tomb, and his resurrection from the dead, and his going back to the Father in heaven. But here he is moving on in giving them an understanding of the ways of God. And he's talking about the coming again of the Lord Jesus. So, um, in every chapter, did I say that? In every chapter of Thessalonians, he mentions the coming again of Jesus. Um, so, the reading of Thessalonians is in the context of expectation. Expectation. Now, it was true in Paul's day. That was century one. We're now in century 21. But still, we have the expectation of the coming again of Jesus. So in chapter 1, he says, at the end of the chapter, he, he says how they turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So in the expectation that is presented in this these letters that Jesus is coming again Paul is able to give instruction to the believers at Thessalonica in chapter 1 he rescues us from coming wrath the indication there is that they wait wait for his son from heaven. Um, so in chapter 1, in the 
context of expectation, we can have relaxation. That doesn't mean we don't do anything. But we can rest, relax, in the promise of God. So, the expectation is there. But we don't know when. We don't know when. But we can relax in the knowledge that it will happen. It might not be in our lifetime. Who knows? But we can um, relax in the knowledge that he is coming. What he has promised, he will do. It says he will rescue us from the coming wrath. You know, in the news these days, there's a lot of talk about the um, WHO, World Health Organization, about the WEF, the, um, what is it, the World Economic Forum about the World Bank and all those sorts of things and their, their means of trying to control the inhabitants of Earth. And I, I'm no doubt they have some plan that they want to bring to fruition. But we know from the reading of the scripture, whatever they might do, <coughs> They will not supersede the plan of God. And we can relax. Paul says in chapter 1, wait for his son from heaven. Now in chapter 2, where we read, in the context of expectation, which is through the whole book, in the context of expectation, we can live in contemplation. Contemplation. We can think about the ones that we will see there because he says in the end of chapter 2, for what is our hope, our joy, or crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed you are our glory and joy. So we can live in contemplation of the fact that we will be with the redeemed when he comes. And the ones that we will see there. And the ones that we will welcome there. Ones that we have influence for God. Ones we have have been able to talk about to the, the salvation of God. Coming gives us, the coming of Jesus gives us both a purpose for living and an expectation in living. So in chapter 2, we're able to, as Paul writes to them, as brothers and sisters. So that means... Together, we can rejoice in the fact that Jesus is coming again. 
As we expect to be taken to heaven, the, the, the scripture speaks about that, we who are alive and remain when the Lord comes will be caught up with those that have died and they're raised up. Um, we expect to be taken to heaven, but what happens in the in-between? Between now and then, what happens? Well, Paul here in, in our chapter uses illustrations. It says in verse 3, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives or as we're trying to trick you. So he, he wasn't speaking as a trickster. He wasn't speaking as one who was able to trick them into believing something that wasn't going to happen. He knew what he believed and he knew what God had given him to preach and he knew that God had said, that Jesus said that he would come again. <coughs> Excuse me. Come again. And he was able to, to do that. In verse 5 he says, You know we never use flattery, nor do we put a mask to cover our greed. God is our witness. Because in that day there were some who came from the Jewish uh, background and tried to trick the people into believing that what was important was the Jewish religion. But that, Paul had gone beyond that. And he was preaching of Jesus and his resurrection. But in uh, verse 7, he says in our chapter, Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work day and night in order not to be a burden to any while we preach the gospel to you. Um, was it verse, that verse? Um, he speaks about a nursing mother. Verse 7, was it? Yeah. Oh, we were... I uh, didn't... I must have missed it. Instead, we were like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. He, the people in Thessalonica knew of his care. He didn't use flattery. He didn't put on a mask to portray what he was not. And then in verse 11, he says... For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his children. So a nursing mother and the care. A, a father um, who uh, encourages, comforts, urging them to live lives worthy of God. Who calls you into his kingdom and glory. He looked to the end with hope and joy. For verse 19 says, What is our hope and joy or crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Those who had believed the message of the gospel in Thessalonica would be with Paul and with Jesus in his coming kingdom and glory. Um, but chapter 2 also has a context of opposition. Verse 14 and ver to verse 16, this is what we read. 
For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your fellow citizens, the same as those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus, the prophets, and drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their efforts to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they might be saved. <laughs> Strong opposition to the revelation that God had given Paul in relation to the message of the gospel. But in, with, with the opposition that they endured as individuals in Thessalonica, that couldn't be compared to the wrath of God which will be revealed. And it was revealed against the Jewish nation because they didn't continue in, in the way that they had previously. But verse 17, this is what uh, is important to us today, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, out of intense longing we made every effort to see you. We wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did, again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope or joy? Even if we don't make it to you, what is our hope or joy or crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? It's you. <laughs> Paul was satisfied when he got to heaven to be able to welcome others that had received the message, able to, to rejoice with them that they had believed the gospel and that they, when Jesus came, had been caught up to meet him in the air, as chapter 4 of this uh, letter reveals to us. Verse 17 again. But, brothers and sisters, what is our hope, our joy or crown in which we we'll glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? It's you. Indeed, you are our glory and joy. He wasn't looking for his own um, praise or praise to himself. He was happy to share what was coming with those he would bring with him when the Lord Jesus comes again. So in the context of this epistle in the context of expectation because the coming of the Lord is mentioned in every chapter in the, com in the context of expectation we, can, we are able to rejoice that the plan of God will be fulfilled and we with them will be in the presence of Jesus forever. So we can live, if in, 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 in um, chapter 1, in the context of expectation, we can live in relaxation, knowing that the Lord is coming, in chapter 2, in the context of expectation, 
um, we're able to rejoice in our contemplations in relation to Jesus coming again. So let's, let's be encouraged in that. Let's be able to, and I encourage you to read Thessalonians, because it, it's full of the coming again of Jesus. That's the expectation, but how we live in the light of that will, will determine our enjoyment of the Lord today and our enjoyment of him in eternity. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity of being together. Thank you for the expectation of the coming again of our Lord Jesus. And the first chapter of Thessalonians reminds us that we will be delivered from the wrath to come. And so we thank you that we can live in that great enjoyment knowing that what you promise you will perform what you have promised will happen and we're able to tell others of the great plan of God to bring many to glory we ask your blessing then help us in our time together now our uh, considerations our conversations and help us to be able to rejoice in the knowledge not only of sins forgiven but of a home that's eternal and it's in the heavens we ask your blessing thank you for good food that's provided for us and ask that you'll just bless our time together and ask these things in the lord's name amen